to just come up this morning and to, to be with you all. We just had a phenomenal last couple days. Ladies, those of you who didn't go to the women's retreat, oh my word, God was moving, God was changing people's lives, we had a lot of fun, but oh my word, God did amazing work, and if you don't take my word for it, talk to any of the ladies who went, and we are going again in January, and this one's going to be even cheaper, $25, that's all it's going to cost you, it's going to be in Brookfield, so it's close, we're going to carpool, and I am so unbelievably excited about it, so I want all of you there. I will come to your house and pick you up in your jammies if I have to. I want all of you there, okay? Because it was a phenomenal time. And um, your lives will just be changed. And I just can't even begin to, I'll talk the whole time about that if I get going. Okay, Father God, I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you, God, that you are who you say you are in your word. I thank you that you are a deliverer, you are a healer, you are a provider, God. I thank you, Lord, that you are holy, Lord that you are our maker, God. I pray right now, Lord, as we go into your word, God, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to understand what you have for us, God. I pray that every distraction, every worry, every care, Lord God, that may get in the way of what you want to do today, God, that we would just cast it aside, Lord God, that we'd wipe it off a shelf like dust, Lord God. I pray that you would have your way today in this service, God, that we would be changed for your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. All right, Psalm 37, verses 23 and 24. I'm going to be talking out of the New Living Translation today. It says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Let me read that again. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Isn't that beautiful? That God himself, the God who made you, the God who created this world, the God who breathed life into you, the God who died for you, literally says the godly, those that give themselves to him, those that serve him, those that live according to his purposes, those who have accepted the gift that we have received in Jesus Christ, that those who walk in his path, that God literally will take you by the hand so you will not fall. That's amazing to me. That just, just blows my mind every time. As I was praying about this and preparing, and it's really funny because I wasn't planning on preaching this Sunday. I was planning on coming, and the ladies who were with me this weekend know I was going to sit on the front row, and I was going to listen to my husband preach for the first time in over a year. Um, and uh, I got home last night, and Jared said to me, you want to preach tomorrow? <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> and, you know, as I was praying about this, the Lord had been speaking to me about the path of his choosing. And if I had a title for this message, it would be the path of his choosing. And at this idea that God, and you know, it's so cliche that God has a plan for your life, and you hear it, and people post it on Facebook, and you see it everywhere. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. And God does have a plan for your life. He does. The scriptures make this clear. You know, he said in Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. That's what he said to Jeremiah before you were conceived, before you were thought, that God knew you, that God had a destiny for you and a purpose for you, and it was to live a life whole and free and complete in him. A path to put you on that would be one of blessing and of righteousness, one of serving God and his purposes. But so many of us choose a different path. 
And I'm not just talking about those of us that may not know the Lord in this place, but also those of us that claim to serve him. And I have been guilty of this myself. That you start out, you receive Christ, and you start off on this path of righteousness, and you're walking along, hallelujah, I love Jesus. You're dancing along, and suddenly God brings you to a point, and he asks you to do something that you don't want to do. And you're like, hmm, maybe I'll just walk on this path. And we wander near the path of God, and we cross back and forth over the path of God, but we never stay on the path that God has destined for us. And you're like, for me personally, and I'm just going to be honest with you this morning, because that's what we do here. We're real. I've got dirt on my tennis shoes, and there's not a fake thing about what I'm about to tell you, okay? I did not want to come to Watertown, Wisconsin, and be your pastor. I did not. I did not want to come to Watertown, Wisconsin, and be your pastor. A little over two years ago, we were in process of going back overseas to Africa to preach the gospel among Muslims to go to a country with 10 million people where only 300 people had ever heard the name of Jesus, where there was village after village that had no gospel witness and every day people die and go to hell. And more importantly, they wake up without anyone to pray to, without anyone for help, without comfort, without peace, without hope in their lives. That's where we were going back to. We'd been serving there. We had built relationships with people there. God had broken my heart for this country and for these people. I'd spent years preparing to go there, and then God closed the door. And he sent us to Watertown. <laughs> we went from a city of 3 million to a little under 24,000, smallest place I've ever lived in my life. And while my husband had accepted what God had called us to do. He was on fire. He was excited. He was passionate. He said to me, I feel, I feel better than I have in years because he was doing what God wanted him to do. I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken, and I was angry at God. I was so angry at God. I knew he wanted us here. I knew this is what he wanted, but I couldn't understand how he could open this door for me to serve him in this other way that he could break my heart and make me fall in love with a place and a people and then take it away from me. And bring me to a nation where you can turn on the TV and hear about Jesus. You can go down the street and people wear Jesus on their shirts. I have Jesus on my necklace today. I could never wear this where I was living. And I didn't understand why God would take me to this place. And the Lord said to me, it's the path of my choosing, not of yours. You said to me, you'll go wherever I send you. And I said that to God. I said, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever people you want, send me to the people that nobody else wants. Send me to the place where no one else wants to go. I will go. And God's like, hello. And I fought God and I was angry at God. And God said, the path of my choosing. The path of my choosing. And I wandered back and forth. I was right next to God's plan. I was here. I was serving. I was doing what God wanted me to do as much as I would let him. I wouldn't give him my heart. I wouldn't give him my all. I wouldn't fully commit to what God wanted for me. And God said, you know, why won't you just love my church? Why can't you love my church? The Lord said this to me. He said, why can't you love my church? My church is broken. My church is hurting. My church needs you. Why can't you love my church? And so God changed my heart. <laughs> changed my heart. And many of us today, we are in that place and the scriptures tell us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide for many choose that way. 
And so often we use the scripture to talk about people going to hell, but people, if you're not serving the Lord, if you're not committed to the path that he's called you to, if you're not committed to the purposes in his life, you're missing out and you're experiencing hell. So often we go through difficulties in our life not because we're suffering for the Lord or because we're, you know, this is just what it means to be a Christian. This is the cross I need to carry. We struggle and we suffer and we're discontent because we're not on God's path. We may be near it. We may hear his voice. We may see the people of God walking right next to us. But we're just off. And I'll tell you, I've been so discontent when I wasn't serving God the way I needed to. There was this longing to be here and a longing to be there and a longing to do this and wanting to do that and trying to come up with things and being jealous of others who got to do what I thought was a better path for me. And in our lives, we get jealous. We get jealous of other people's blessings. We get jealous of other people's success. We say, how could God give them that? They don't deserve that in their life. Because we're discontent. Because we haven't embraced what God has for us. And it's sin. It's sin. And many of us, as we wander, and we wander off the path when it's convenient for us, we stay on it. We'll be like, okay, God, I'll serve you this part because it's okay for me, but oh, you're asking me to give up this personal pet sin in my life. I can't do that. And we wander off. Or God, you're asking me to give and to serve in this area, and I don't really want time for that because I'm going to miss my shows or because there's something I'd rather do. So we wander off the path. Or God, you're asking me to turn off the computer a little earlier at night so I can pray before I go to bed or I can open the scriptures and I can study, but I don't really want to do that because I'm addicted to Candy Crush. So we wander off the path. And we become like the Israelites, discontent and complaining, saying, we want to go back to Egypt. You know, for those of you who may not know the story, God took millions of people out of slavery in Egypt. Miraculous things happen. They're wandering the desert. He's taking them to the place, the place of promise, where they'll be free, where they'll be whole, where they'll be blessed. And all they do is complain. And they say, we want to go back to Egypt. At least there we had better food. We want to go back to Egypt. There we had better clothes. We want to go back to Egypt, where they were whipped and beaten. Their children were taken from them. Where they were sexually assaulted by their masters. They wanted to go back to that because they were discontent with the plan that God had for them. You know, and God's plan and God's purposes isn't without difficulty. You know, in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when the endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Let me read that again. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Eric can tell you all about that. He's a marathon runner. (laughs) That moment when you're, you've done all your training and you're prepared and you get there and you're not worried about throwing up. You're not worried about needing this. You're not worried about that because your mind and everything is clear because you're endurance. You've trained. You've worked. You're prepared. And many of us, we get to this point where God starts bringing things into our lives and we get so frustrated that we don't want to press on. And so we stop. We're like, I can't run that race. I can't do it. My son is really good at saying I can't. Drives me crazy. He's four. And we'll ask him to do something simple. Like, I, I can't do that. No, I, I can't. I can't do that. I can't, I can't go in there. I can't do that. We were at his school doing a, a walkathon, and there was at the end they decided to have races for all the kids by their grades. And he's in preschool, so you know it was going to be epic. 
And they all line up. They're all ready. He's there. He's ready. The kids take off running. And he goes, I can't do it. I was like, yes, you can. Just go. And he ran about three feet, and he just started crying. I can't do it. And that's many of us, as we pursue the things of God, that we start out, and we're like, okay. And we get to a place, and we're like, I can't do it, God. I don't want to do it. It's too difficult for me. And the path won't be easy. It won't be without trouble. But like I said earlier, that God will be with us, and he holds us by the hand. He takes us by the hand, and he walks us on that path. And though it's, at times, harder than anything you've ever gone through, and I'll tell you that, serving the Lord, we've had difficulties. We've had financial difficulties. We've had health difficulties. We've had spiritual difficulties. We've had all kinds of difficulties. But every single time, God walked us through it. Every single time, God was with us. Every single time, God God brought us through. Did we complain sometimes? Absolutely. I'm really good at it. Be like, God, listen, you know, why did you bring me here to do this? This is not, this is, there's a better way of doing this, God. And God's like, nope, I got a better purpose. I got a better plan. Hold my hand, let's go. Like I do to my son, I'm like, give me your hand, let's go. And God's saying to us, give me your hand, let's go. Give me your hand, let's go. And it's become so easy to try to do things ourselves. Even as Christians, to do things ourselves. We want to do what God wants us to do, but we want to make it our own. We want to make it our version of God's plan for our lives. We want to take control of this and that, and we want to put God into this safe little box during the day that he's another thing we check off as a to-do list. Sunday mornings become another thing that we do during the week. When what church is supposed to be is a group of people coming together to encourage each other, to build each other up, to serve one another, to grow, to love each other. Not just another activity, not just another club. And God wants so much more for us. And we try to make him what we think he should be. And we try to make our lives what we think they should be. And we try to to carve a new path. And God said in John 15, verse 5, I love this passage so much, I may get it tattooed. It says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Outside of God's will, outside of God's purpose, you can do nothing. 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 Like I said, I need to remind myself this. I get tattooed right here so that I can see it every day. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The things that we set up for ourselves, the things that we do on our own, the things that we do outside of God's will are absolutely nothing. They're nothing. They mean nothing. The scriptures talk about judgment before God and how all of our works will be piled up before God and he lights it on fire. And everything that's not of him will just burn up till all that's left are the things of God. Now, if you've ever seen straw and hay that's dry start up on fire, it goes pretty quick. And it takes a lot with it it becomes nothing but smoke and ash, and the wind blows it away. God has so much more for us, church. He has so much more for us. He's called us to a godly life, a life whole in him, and it's been so common today, even in churches, to hear people spewing lies of what you can and can't do as Christians. We get so hung up on trying to say, well, God's grace will cover all of these sins. God's grace, because of God's grace, because of God's grace, because of God's grace. In the book of Jude, 
I love Jude. It's one chapter. If you're looking for a short read in the Bible, find Jude. It's towards the end. Okay? That you can say, I read a whole book of the Bible today. That would be awesome. Okay? <laughs> um, but let me warn you, it's 25 verses that'll kind of kick you in the butt. It says, um, Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we share, but now that I find I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith of God that has entrusted once for all time to who is holy. I say this is because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied not only our, ma have denied our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. This idea that because of God's grace, we can live immoral lives. It's absolutely not true. Did God die on the cross for our sins? Yes. Is his blood there? Yes. Is his forgiveness there? Yes. Is it a license to do what we want when we want? No. He called us to righteousness, which is a big word for rightness, for living right for doing what God wants us to do, for allowing God to change us inside so that we are so overcome with love for God that that's all we want to do. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about coming in contact with a living God who loved you so much that while you were still sinners, he died for you. Jesus was the original hipster, okay? While everybody else was still doing sin, he's like, I'm going to die for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to change you. Before you even know me, I'm going to do this. Before you've even committed that act, I'm going to bleed and die and I'm going to suffer for it. That he sees us in this beautiful, broken mess that we are and is like, that is a hot mess and I have such a great plan for it. I love repurposing things. I love seeing old junk and being like, that would look so awesome if we did this, this, and this to it. And I know God sees us the same way. but we've allowed this beautiful message to be corrupted. To say, because of this, I can do this and it's no big deal, but I'm telling you today it's a big deal because you're selling yourselves short of what God has for you. The blessing that God has for you, the life that God has for you, the power of God's Holy Spirit working in your lives. And it's not because God wants to be mean and make your lives difficult, it's because he loves you. And when you get a hold of that love, and when it comes into your life and it fills you, you don't want to do anything other than what God wants. You don't want to live outside of God's purpose. You don't want to compromise for some five minutes of pleasure. You want the big picture. You want it all. You know, and I used to live that life. I wasn't a believer my whole life. I wasn't one of those kids that was like, oh, I love Jesus since I was five. That's not me. That's my husband. Okay? <laughs> I know what it's like to live in sin. I know what it's like to be bound. I know what it's like to hurt. I know what it's like to suffer. I know what it's like to be that hot mess. And when God came into my life and he poured his love into me, I said, where has this been my whole life? And I grew up in church. I heard it every day. I heard God's word. I heard people talking about sin and hell and all of that. I was a scared kid like everybody else. Please, Jesus, don't send me to hell. But it was fear. It wasn't love. And when I came in contact with the love and the power of a living God, I did not want to go back. I threw it away. I burned it. It was gone. And God changed my life, and I set it on the path. But even still, like I said, 
on that path, we wander. We wander, and that's that love, that hymn. Prone to wander, Lord, I fear it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. That old hymn, that idea of God taking our heart and sealing it. Because we are, we wander, we wander, we wander, we wander, we wander. And like Tolkien said in one of the best books ever written, not all who wander are lost. God's calling you today. He's calling us, church. He's calling us. And he's saying, don't wander. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Today, God is wanting to take some of you by the hand, and he's wanting to walk you down the path that he's called for you. Some of you have been on the path, and you're struggling. You're saying, I need something more, and I love it. In the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 12 through 16, it's one of my favorite passages. And God says, one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people apart from all other people on the earth. You know, Moses, another, another passage says, if your presence don't go with us, we will not go. And you talk, the presence of the Lord, it's, it's that it. It's his presence. It's him with us. It's him holding our hands. And he told Moses, and he's telling you today, that on his path, he will walk with you. He will take you by the hand. You will not walk alone. And some of you have been struggling because you've been trying to do it on your own. And he's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. I need you to come to me and let me lead you. And other of us have wandered off this path. And God's saying, people, come on. Come back. The path of my choosing. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be difficulties. But I am building your endurance for the race to come. I'm preparing you for my kingdom and for my purposes. And I will walk with you every step of the way. And you will never be alone. The scriptures tell us he will never leave us or forsake us. Even if our mother and father reject us and abandon us and cast us aside. God is not a father like a humanly father. He is not a mother like a human mother. He will never lie, the scriptures tells us. And he will not leave us. He is a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. He will not leave you. So today, church, I just want to give you the opportunity for some prayer. We don't do this very often in our church. But I really felt strongly today that some of you just need someone to come alongside with you and to pray with you today. And if you're struggling in any of these things, if you're struggling because you're not on God's path and you want to get where God wants you, if you're struggling because you've, you're on the path, but you're struggling because of the difficulties you're having, we want to pray with you today. That God can change you and do the work. Erica, can you come? And I'm going to have some people come up here, and they're just going to be here. And if you want prayer, you can come up, and you don't even have to tell them what it's about. We're not going to ask you. 
But if you're here today and you say, I want something from God. I need something from God today. I need God to do something in my life today, and I don't want to leave this place until he does. I can't live another day like this. I can't go another moment with his suffering. I can't go if his presence isn't with me. And I don't care if you're 12 or you're 102. This is for you today. And his love and his grace and his power is here. And every word in this book is true. And if we believe it, then he is our deliverer. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our all. And he is the God who said, I will take you by the hand and I will walk with you. We're just going to have some people here. And these are nobody special. I love these people, but there's nothing fancy about them. They just love Jesus. (laughs) And they're the kind of people that if you need somebody... They will take you by the hand and they will love you. So I just want to open this up. If you are here today and you just want God to do something in your life, come on up. There's nothing embarrassing about it. Like I said, I was that person a couple times over. Where I was either on the path and I needed Jesus to be in my life more, or I had wandered so far that God is like, the path of my choosing, hello, over here. (laughs) Just got to want it. You just gonna want it. And I'm just gonna pray. And if that's you, come on up. And we're gonna just let God just touch you. We'll pray for a little bit and then I'll dismiss you. But God has something He wants to do today. He wants something to do in your life. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that your word says that you take us by the hand. God, that you are our healer, you are our forgiver, you are our deliverer, God. And that we don't have to do any of this alone, Lord. And I just pray today, God, that you would just change our lives. God, that we would not leave this place carrying the same burdens we came in with. We would not leave this place surrounded by the same lies and darkness we came with. We would not leave this place believing the same things about ourselves, God, that we would come and we'd walk out that door changed and lighter, Lord. God, knowing that you are with us, that you take us by the hand, that you heal us, Lord, I ask you just to do a work now, Lord. God, we just ask you today, Lord. God, that you would just do a work in our lives, Lord. God, I pray for a transformation work today in the lives of every person here, Lord. God, that you would bring new life, Lord God. That you'd bring new hope. God, that you'd renew our strength. Your scripture says if we wait on you, Lord God, that doesn't mean we sit on our hands and go do-to-do, Lord, but that we wait on you, we worship you, we praise you, we exalt your name, God, that you will renew our strength. And I pray today that every person here would be renewed in this place, God. I pray that we would leave lighter, Lord. God, that you would lift that burden. Your scriptures tell us that you are our burden bearer, God. That you carry these weights for us, God. And I pray that you would do a mighty work, Lord. I pray for healing, Lord. I pray for restoration, God. I pray for forgiveness, Lord. Your scriptures say if we confess to you our sins, that you will forgive our sins and you will make us new, Lord. I pray that you would do that even now, God. God, do your work today, God. Have your way, I pray, God. Lord, we just bless your people, God. Bless them and meet their needs, Lord, I pray. Go with them, Lord Jesus. God, we ask you just to have your way in Jesus' name.